are continuing our series on Ecclesiastes. So we've been looking at Ecclesiastes for a few weeks. A while ago, I spoke on Ecclesiastes 3. Today, Joe told me to look at Ecclesiastes 9 and 10, but I never do what Joe tells me to do. So I'm just looking at Ecclesiastes 9, just because there's so much in it that I'm pretty sure you don't want to be here the whole day. So therefore, I'm giving you the little bit of homework. I am a teacher, apologies. But to go and read Ecclesiastes 10 at home. Um, And I'm just going to focus in on Ecclesiastes 9. Before I start, this is just a little side note to the preach before I start. So this is mainly to the men. Sometimes I really acknowledge that as women and as your, you know, your wife maybe, or your girlfriend or partner, we might irritate you a little bit from time to time. We might infuriate you a little bit from time to time. We might, re- we might ask you to do something, and then we might remind you to do that thing. And then a few seconds go past, and we might remind you again, and maybe again. Some of you might call that nagging. I call it helpful reminders. You know, doing things that are phone. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, you. So, but anyway, in those moments that you might find yourself getting a little bit irritable with your wonderful better half, I just thought I'd read verse 9 from Ecclesiastes chapter 9 to you, which says, Enjoy life with your wife. Yes, whom you love. All the days of this meaning of life that God has given you under the sun. For this is your reward in life. Yes. Let's hear it for the wives. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I thought I'd start with that because these verses are quite heavy this morning. Okay. So that's kind of the nice little light laughter. Get ready to get for chapter nine. It is quite heavy this morning, but we're just going to delve into it. So let's read chapter nine first of all. So it says, so I reflected on this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands, but no one knows whether love or hate awaits them. All share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good, so with the sinful. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of the people, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live. And afterwards they join the dead. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even their name is forgotten. Their love, their hate, their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will, will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. Go eat your food with gladness. Drink your wine with a joyful heart. Always be clothed in white. Always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days. For she is your lot in life, your reward, and in your toilsome labour under the sun. Whatever your hands finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. 
I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or failure to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. Moreover, no one knows when their hour will come. As fish are caught in a cruel net or birds are taken a snare, so people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. I also saw under the sun this example of wisdom that greatly impressed upon me. There was once a small city with only a few in it, and a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, built a huge seed's works against it. Now there lived in that city a poor man, but wise, and he saved the city with his wisdom. But nobody remembered that poor man. So I said, wisdom is better than strength, but the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are no longer heeded. The quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of the ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. So there's the chapter. And what I think is, I think the chapter's quite clearly kind of split into two. And I'm going to just speak about the two kind of headlines this morning. In my Bible, and I don't know um, if it's the same in yours, but the first part of chapter nine is, an, um, is called Death comes to everyone. So that is my first joyful headline on this Sunday morning, is death comes to everyone. And whilst preparing this, this week at school, we've done a lot. It's been our final week at school. And um, I've been looking a lot, working a lot with our year 11s. And quite a lot of our year 11s leave. And then we kind of bring up our year 10s into their kind of last year of school um, as they know it, unless they go on to sixth form. And I tend to show them two little famous speeches. One of those speeches is by a man called Steve Jobs. Put your hands up if we've all heard of Steve Jobs. Yep, so the man, the CEO of Apple, um, the man who started Apple with a friend out of his garage, grew it to what we know to be today. He, in fact, halfway through his life, got fired from his own company of Apple. But in that time, he kind of stumbled across Pixar, invested in Pixar, helped to grow Pixar, what it is today, hence why we've got now this huge company that produces films we know called Pixar. Thank you, Steve Jobs. Um, He then got rehired into Apple um, and kind of oversaw Apple and was really instrumental in the production of the iPhone. And he once then gives a speech at a university and he talks about these three kind of life rules that he lives by. And I tend to show my year 11s the one that kind of fits really well in with this. When I first read this chapter, it reminded me of his speech. And basically, his part of the speech, he says that he gets up every single morning, has three routines he does every day. One of them, he gets up every single morning. And before he brushes his teeth, he looks into the mirror and he says, if I know I'm going to die today, will I still do what I'm about to do? And he says, really simply, if the answer's no after a few days, because we all have those days where we just have to do stuff, don't we? Things that we don't want to do, the washing up, packing, I don't know, spending time with your children. No, honey jokes. Um, <laughs> no, joking, joking, joking. Um, I do really love my kids, so I don't understand those jokes. But um, anything like that, if the answer's no too many times, he's like, then I change. And what she goes on to say and what it shows is that Steve Jobs is a man that wasn't scared to change himself and he wasn't scared of change because he knew that death would come. 
He knew that you can predict death. He knew the urgency of life. He believed that you've got to live life to the full. And that actually to do that, you've got to be active in making choices and making change if you need to. And you know, when we look at Jesus's life, Jesus is a man who is constantly this change agent. He is constantly this catalyst for change. When he came to this world, he completely um, kind of changed our perception of what a king should be when he just got born in a manger. Simple things like that that Jesus chose to do provoked change. His very first miracle, he changed water into wine. He didn't have to do that. Just due to the traditions of the time and the ideals of the time, he didn't want that family to be looked as a shameful and so therefore changed water to wine. Ivan Parker was here a few weeks ago, our leader of the National Church, and he spoke about that meeting with a lady in Samaria that Jesus met with. There was no great fireworks. There was no great grand miracle. There was nothing, you know, spectacular, but he had a conversation with her which then changed her life. And for me, these words from Ecclesiastes are really important because it kind of brings into perspective our humanity that unfortunately the truth is we will all die. But therefore, we've not got to be scared to change life when we know, actually, Lord, I could be fulfilling my life more to what you want me to do. And I think if you don't know Jesus this morning, I think that's really exciting because you are yet to experience the transformational nature of Jesus in your life. You know, if you're here and you're thinking, I don't know this Jesus person that you're talking about, well then I would really ask that towards the end of the service when there's an opportunity for prayer, come and speak to someone because they will talk to you about how Jesus has changed their life. But also as Christians, sometimes I think, this ch- I think church, church we've been through quite a lot of change. We probably don't want any more change. Marcus has lost all his hair. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably doesn't want to do, there's nothing more he can give. But sometimes as Christians, we get to a point where actually our Christian life hasn't changed all that much. You know, our, our routines in the Christian way may be the same. You know, if I speak personally, I I get up in the morning, whilst breakfast, we read the Bible together. When we get into the car, we pray together. But that's kind of the the cycle of my day. And my head teacher I used to work for used to say, Beth, if you do what you always did, you're going to get what you've always got. You know, it's horrible grammar. She was a maths teacher. I can forgive her for that. (laughs) But she does say, if you do what you always did, you'll get what you've always got. And that's so true. And it's even true for our Christian lives. You know, if we do what we always have done, we're only going to get what we've always got. And I feel that this year, in our sermons in church, we've talked a lot about untapped potential, growing in God, putting God as the focus and the foremost of our lives, and us really living our Christian lives to the fullest. But that isn't going to happen unless we change something. So if we know that we've got, we've got this calling to be a prophet or we've got a calling to be a speaker, we've got a calling to be a children's leader or we've got a calling to do something else, then we've got something in our lives that's going to have to change in order for us to fulfill that. So I'm just going to give like a moment of quiet and I'm going to pray at this point because I feel like this is quite a weighty point. This is quite a weighty sentence, isn't it? You know, death, death is going to come. Are we living this 
as something that we want to do or is there still that untapped potential that we know actually this is something that I need to wake up in the morning I've got to change something about my spiritual journey in order to release so I'm just going to invite a bit of quiet I'm just going to pray at this point of Lord I thank you Lord for the messages that we've had in this church consistently week on week but Lord just show us now little areas of our lives that we can start to to develop that we can start to change maybe opportunities where we can read more of your words maybe opportunities where we can pray more maybe opportunities where we can worship you maybe opportunities where we can talk to somebody more who's going to help our faith to grow maybe an opportunity where we can volunteer more Lord so that we can step into the fullnesses of what you have for us Lord let us get up each morning be so excited about what we're going to do today Lord Jesus for you and your kingdom let us not be scared of change amen amen thank you guys so the second point and the second headline um is and you might think Beth, this this is completely contradictory to your first point but is it is well you know the second part goes about saying well go eat your food with gladness drink your wine with a joyful heart um be glad about what you have got with your life and you might think well that's really in your contrary what you've just been saying you've just been saying don't be scared for change and now you're saying well it is well with my soul and I'm going to take you through the snapshot of um, our past kind of fortnight which I think illustrates the change it is well tension quite quite beautifully so we are um, so hang on this last week for me has been an insane week at school it's the last week praise the lord summer holidays yes um but I've had the wonderful job of organizing something called enrichment week at our school where we organize lots of different activities all the pupils are off timetable and we organize all these wonderful things for them to do and I've organized that and overseen it and then in 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 like going alongside that bubbling around in the background is the fact that our we've had to move out of our house currently and I think I've shared a bit of you this before you're probably all fed up of it by now you know I've heard the house story about um but we've moved out of our house packed it all into boxes packed our lives into a garage and a few suitcases because it's being literally um half of it's being knocked down and then rebuilt so that's been happening in the background and we've moved into a caravan hey and it's four of us myself the two children whilst we all go to school while school is extremely busy plus at school school's changing a little bit my role's changing a little bit there's loads of new stuff that I have to suddenly get ready for Friday before we break up so this week has been insane it has been a really crazy week and um, I think it was probably Tuesday when my parents builder, my dog, Newfoundland dog, probably this height, big dog, um, my parents builder came early so the dog couldn't stay with them. And I remember phoning my husband going, you're going to have to go and pick the dog up and he's going to have to join us in the caravan. <laughs> And I also didn't want him to sleep outside in a porch, so Johnny goes, gets the dog, comes back with us. The next evening, I think, what are we doing? You know, sometimes in life, life just gets a bit too busy, life gets a bit too hectic, it gets a bit too mad, and you just think, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. I do not want to do this anymore. And I thought, I said to John, I'm going to take the dog for a walk. And I was in this mind, thinking, it's the first time I've thought like this, thinking, what have we done like what have we done you know I don't I don't want to do this 
any longer. Um, and during this point, I was thinking, I'm preaching on Sunday. I normally go up to, go up to where I've, we've got some fields and some horses, and I normally go there to, to talk to God. Um, and live and surrounded by hills where the house is, and I kind of, that's where I tend to get my, this is where I talk to God's place, and I think I don't have that. Or I talk to God in the bath, or we don't have a bath in the caravan, and I'm thinking, I just don't have anywhere where I can just have this silence with the Lord. And I walk the dog, and then as I'm walking the dog around the caravan park, I see a gate. I think, hmm, that's an intriguing gate. I'll go through this gate. And I kid you not, I opened the gate and it opened up to um, these huge, like huge expanse of fields, huge expanse of hills. And it was just beautiful. But I just had to stop myself because in amongst all this change, all the chaos, all the madness that was going on. In that moment, as I walked through the gate and I saw of those hills and I saw of those fields, God was just like, here I am, Beth. You know, here I am. And I think sometimes, and there's people here that need to hear this this morning, that sometimes in life, when life is chaotic, when life's crazy, when you're thinking, do you know what? I'm not sure I can do this anymore. God goes, yeah, but here I am. And in those moments, instantly, it is well. You know, and God can do that, like, in an instant. Because as that moment, as I felt God say, here I am, I was like, this is fine. Because something about knowing that the God of the universe, you know, the King of Kings, our Lord who makes the bowels of hell shake, something about knowing that he is with you is empowering. Something about knowing that the, the, the God that put someone on the cross to die for all of our sins once and for all so that we have entry in heaven is there for you is unbeatable. Yeah, are you with me here? Because God is a God that is so interested in, in you. And so therefore, yes, Ecclesiastes tells us here, that death is going to come. Our life could be completely meaningless. But we have a God who is ready for transformation. And he's ready to meet with you. And he's ready to make your life something that will be so worth living if we are willing. The second kind of speech that I show my year 11s is of a young girl who is working in Target, and that's like the American equivalent of Tesco's. And she's in Target, and she's there helping someone, and she goes up to someone and says, hi, may I help you? And this lady turns around and she says to her, do you know what, you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And she's a black African woman, and she's working in Target, and she's about to join the army. And she's thinking, why is this woman telling me that I'm beautiful? And this woman then turns around and says, have you ever thought of pageants? And this, this young girl thinks, you don't know me at all. Like, I am not this woman that you think that maybe I am. And she was like, absolutely not. I'm about to join the army. It isn't about me whatsoever. 
And anyway, she said, well, look, if you ever think about something, she was like, I train women to enter Miss California, Miss such and such, etc. She's like a, a coach for that. And she gives her this card anyway. Cut a long story short, a conversation happens, it grows. And the girl enters her state competition. I can't remember what it is. Or let's just say it's Miss California. It could be Miss California. Anyway, so she trains for it. She preps for it. She enters Miss California with the support of this coach. And guess what? She loses. And so the woman's like, don't worry. It's your first try. It's not a problem. It tends to happen first time round. Um, we'll get you ready. You'll be more experienced the second year. Go for it second year. So she took it all sort of already. Second year, they have a second try. She loses again. Third year, she's like, it's not really unusual that this happens. Um, you're very different to wherever your army background, etc. It's maybe something the judges aren't used to. Preps her, takes her through, goes to the third time. Third time she enters, she loses. She loses then again the fourth time, the fifth time, and the sixth time. She still goes back for the seventh time. The seventh time she gets through. The seventh time she becomes the winner of Miss World. First ever black African female who's in the army to stand up and win. However, she, in her speech to graduates, she says this. She says, people always ask me why I never give up. And she said, I don't fear failure, and I don't fear trying, but boy, do I fear regret. And that really stuck with me, because I feel when I read Ecclesiastes, there's this sense that there is this common destiny for all of us that Solomon paints so clearly. But unfortunately, we will all die. Unfortunately, we can't escape that. Unfortunately, whether we are, and he paints it so clearly, whether we're wise, whether we're sinful, whether we're full of folly, unfortunately, that is our end. But he talks about living wisely, living with eternity in our hearts. And a life full of Jesus knowing that we will one day be in heaven, living this life for Jesus in a way that makes a difference for eternity on this world isn't one we could ever regret. And so I just wanted to kind of end my sermon on this idea that I think as we've studied this as a church, and I know Carol's going to kind of put this all together next week for us, but I know that as we finish looking at Ecclesiastes, we can't just finish this book and move on from it. It's not one of those books. It's so full of wisdom. But it does cause us to think, how does my life need to readjust? How does it need to change? So that when that day does come, that I can look back and, and not have regrets on what my life looks like. So I'm going to ask us for the second time in the sermon just, just to stand with me and I'm going to pray and then I'm going to invite the band up and um, they're going to worship. We're going to worship together. But Lord, I really thank you that Solomon wasn't scared of the big weighty things in life that we do need to think about. 
And Lord, I pray that from this, there will be times in this week where we find the opportunity to sit with you and to carve out what might need to alter in our lives or what we can, how we can live our life in a way that we will never regret, in a way that we know that our, our lives will just speak so much for you, Lord. I thank you for everything that you've given us and I thank you for everything that you've done for us, Lord. And so therefore, may we live lives that just consistently shout of your glory, Lord. But help us to know what that looks like. Amen.